How many doing okay? It's a good Sunday, yeah? Weather's nice, a little cooler today, not so humid. We're going to be talking about discipleship this morning. How many have enjoyed the basic series that we've been in, I think, for the last seven to eight weeks, covering a broad range of a lot of topics? It's been uh, refreshing. It's been such a good time. We're going to be talking today, this morning, about discipleship, but more specifically, we're going to be talking about being and making disciples, being and making disciples. I can't assume to myself that everyone here is privy or or knows what it means actually to be a disciple. And so I hope to answer that because I would think if we are to go and make disciples as Jesus commands us to, we ought to know what it is we're making, right? Turn with me to the Gospel of John. I don't know if we'll actually, we're going to be all over actually in three different chapters in this book, but uh, the, the definition of the word disciple, it simply means someone who adheres to the teaching of another, okay? The simplest definition. Now, I'm sorry if this morning comes off just a little bit maybe shallow. I don't mean it to. I desire to make this as simple as I can, not complicated, but just give us three characteristics. These aren't the only characteristics of a disciple. They're just three and I've, I've wanted to simplify them and so that we can get a good grid on what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I, I, I believe that even in simplicity, that if we can live these three characteristics out wholeheartedly, men, the fields just open up of endless possibility of what it means to be a disciple. And so three characteristics. But again, in def, defining the word disciple, it simply means to adhere to the teaching of another. Now, when we apply this to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus, right? I imagine that we're all here on Sunday morning for one person. That's Christ, right? So we're applying this to us this morning. But to be a disciple of Christ means to learn from Christ, to live like Christ. Amen. Who clapped? Thank you. We're going to stick together, man, me and you. You might follow me around everywhere I speak. No. Um, but... Essentially, to be a disciple of Christ means to learn from Christ first, to live like Christ. So if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to write these three characteristics down, in my opinion, to be a disciple of Christ, simply stated, means to be a worshiper of Christ. A worshiper of Christ. Secondly, a servant of Christ. And a witness of Christ. So a worshiper, a servant, and a witness. You know, when I first started my journey, um, newly in the Lord, meaning I, I gave my heart to Jesus, surrendered my life to him, if you rewind the tape a good, you know, 15, 16 years back, um, discipleship, actually finding somebody to disciple you, disciple you, excuse me, back then was very hard. You may think it's hard today, man. Back then, back in the day, nobody wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> and that was the case with, with many new converts, in my context anyways, in the church that I attended, sadly enough. But I remember uh, probably a week into dedicating my life to Jesus, I was upstairs in my room and I just prayed this simple prayer. I was like, God, I want to grow in you. I want to I know who you are. Like, I've asked this person to disciple me. They say yes, but they do no, there's no follow-through. I've asked this person. They said, absolutely not. I don't have time. But, but I, I can't just get stuck here. I need to grow in you. And how do I do that when it seems like nobody wants to mentor me or disciple me? 
And I remember, uh, it wasn't the audible voice of God, but it was like a, a, a still kind of assurance, a voice that rung in my heart and said, Daryl, uh, study the Gospels and look at the life of Christ. Study the Gospels and look at the life of Christ. So for the next six to seven years, I didn't read like, you know, John Maxwell's books or, uh, you know, any kind of other books, or I really didn't even venture that far around other portions of Scripture. I just really gave my heart to studying the Gospels and looking at the life of Christ. So I think it is a good place, it's a great place to start in trying to discover what it means to be a disciple to look at the life of Christ and the stories of the Gospel. So let me tell you, if you lack kind of what I lacked a good 15 years ago, with nobody wanting to disciple you, don't sweat it. The book, this Bible, the life of Christ is a great place to start. You could lose yourself there for your life and you could learn what it means to be a disciple and how to practically live it out. So the Gospels are a very good place to start and I would recommend it. Uh, Using the Gospel of John, um, we're going to, I think, gain three perspectives on what it means to follow Jesus. Each of these are patterned after Jesus himself. And um, building upon or based off of John's profile of Christ, we could say that being a disciple is just that, what I mentioned earlier, being a worshiper, a servant, and a witness. Now let's wrap some flesh around these characteristics. Um, Most fundamentally, I'm sure if you're saved today, you would agree that to follow Christ means to be a worshiper of Christ. But not just, you know, saying that statement in and of itself, but Christ exclusively. Worshiping Christ exclusive. This is at the heart of Jesus' ministry. If you take, uh, for example, the story of the Samaritan woman, right? Um, Who Jesus encountered uh, by the well of Jacob in John chapter 4. You know, the story takes kind of a lot of twists, a lot of turns, and suddenly they land upon talking about worship, and this lady talks about how her fathers and her ancestors go to the mountain and worship God, right? And again, I don't have time to break the whole chapter down for us and get into the nitty-gritty of it, just using this as an example. Um, Christ uh, kind of goes off of her talking about worship, that they go to the mountain, they worship God, her fathers, her ancestors, something historically they've done. And Jesus says kindly, he says, woman, you know not what you worship. Um, The idea of that time in Samaria, if you look at the Old Testament, um, I forget the nations that were encroaching in Samaria, but there was a lot of wars that were going on. They were kind of caught up. And um, as other nations were conquering Samaria, uh, a lot of idol worship crept in to the synagogue, kind of... uh, pluralistic society, you know, culture was built within the church. And Samaria, the citizens of Samaria, were fine with it. They started to grow like, you know, this is okay. So you could have walked into a synagogue there and worshipped a tree or worshipped an idol or whatever. Um, And so Jesus is speaking right into that kind of pluralistic culture. And he's saying, woman, you know not what you worship. I, we Jews, we know what we worship. And Jesus says that God, his Father, is looking for true worshipers, right? If you're familiar with the text. Who will worship him in spirit and truth. Not artificially or made up or fake or false. But true worshipers will arise. That will worship God, the Father, in both spirit and truth. In other words, it was like Jesus is saying, 
if we follow Christ, we must worship God through Christ because he is our mediator. If you take texts like John 14, uh, verse 6, or 2 Timothy 2, 5, it talks about Christ being our mediator. And then Jesus goes on to say, he himself also should be worshipped because he is God, something that was probably tremendously offensive in their culture. But you could take texts like John chapter 10, 30, or John 20, 28 through 29 to see that Jesus should be worshipped as God. And, um, you know, as far as context goes here, um, and because we don't have a lot of time to unpack this story, um, this interaction between the Samaritan and Jesus, but, but within context, I think, is this is the, the heart of what I'm trying to say. Nothing will irritate our pluralistic society more than being an exclusive worshiper of Jesus. Let me say that again. Nothing will irritate our culture, our society, any more than, you know, the pluralistic, this kind of all roads lead to. God is everything, everybody. We're even hearing stories as of recently that men are claiming to be gods. Um, lot, a lot of people in our culture are cool with Jesus, right? At least their notion of Christ. Um, you may hear, he was a good moral teacher, you know, uh, a judge not lest you be judged, kind of uh, motivational speaker, right? Everybody is cool with that Jesus. Uh, but in all seriousness, there's a vast disconnect, a, a separation that happens in our worship of Christ and, and, and following, actually being a disciple. There's a vast separation and disconnect. When we try to attempt to cut up Christ into little pieces, only kind of worship the aspects of the truth we love about Christ while ignoring the truth and the, the aspects of Christ we despise or dislike. And Jesus is saying, I, I can't be, God can't be worshipped like that. This is why he says, the day is coming when my people, it's even here now, when my people will worship me both in spirit and in truth. We'll never fully learn our love, worship, worshiping Christ completely and never fully loving him if we continually just look at the aspects of Christ we love while ignoring the truths or the aspects of Christ that are maybe harder for us to handle. True worship of Christ is exclusive, meaning Christ shares the stage with no one. And true worship is sincere when Jesus' truth isn't met with offense or isn't perceived as being burdensome. True worship is when we lovingly adore the truth of Christ as his disciples and we carefully, meaningfully live them out. We say, Christ, you know, where what it may be acceptable to others is unacceptable to me because I have your truth before my eyes. Therefore, I can't, I can't live that way, but more than just not living that way, I'm going to worship this truth. I'm going to get it inside of me. And yeah, I may look different. I may speak different. I may act different. But 
this is my worship to you. I worship you, Christ, exclusively, even the truths that may be hard for me to swallow. So to be a disciple is to be a worshiper of Christ and Christ exclusively. Secondly, to be a disciple means we are servants. We talk a lot about service here at Hilltop, primarily because we're a a mobile church. Uh, It takes a lot to get this machine going. Um, And I know that even in talking about this, it could irritate some of you, but please don't let it. Um, This is sincere. I didn't just come up with these things. This is what I really sincerely believe. I just don't believe them. I live them. But to be a disciple of Christ, I mean, I believe is to be a servant. It's the, um, the chief characterization of a follower of Christ. And we can see uh, another picture of Christ in the Gospel of John. If you turn, you can look there to John 13. We won't be reading, but you can just observe the story. Here's, here's Jesus. And it's so cool that the same God, Christ... Um, who is to be adorned as God, is here washing the feet of his friends. I can imagine Peter's problem with this, right? If you read the story, Jesus, Peter's like, what? Wait, I, washing my feet? I should be washing yours. I get that. That's, the, that's totally what would bubble up inside of me. What's, this is wrong. But did you hear me? The same God who is to be adorned as God, worship exclusively as God, is lowering himself and washing the feet of his disciples. My God, <laughs> this rocks me. This, it, 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 I don't know, something rumbles inside of me. I'm like, what kind of God do we serve? <laughs> This could be uh, confusing as it was uh, to Peter. Jesus, who is uh, the object of exclusive praise, is now humbly serving his disciples and washing their feet. Uh, And and this this act of humility confuses his disciples until Jesus says this in John 13, 8. He says, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share in me. Wash my feet, God. Forget my feet. Wash my whole body. Whatever you're going to do. I imagine that might have been what leaped inside of Peter's heart when he heard this. But Jesus says, he's like, if I I can't wash your feet, you have no share with me. And then Jesus turns to his friends, his disciples, and he charges them to do the same. And, and, And here we have a prime example of the definition of disciple. Let's read in John 13, 14 through 15. If I then, Christ, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Learn from me. Do as I do. That's what Christ is saying. See this, guys? See See me washing your feet, humbly washing your feet? Go and do likewise. Wash the feet of my people. For I have given you an example, right? Learn from Christ. Live like Christ. The example is humility, washing the feet of his disciples. And we're to follow that example. 
as he goes on to say in verse 15, that you also should do just as I have done. Jesus said in Mark that he has not come to be served, but to serve. This is God. Mark 10, verse 45, he has come not to be served, but to serve. The posture of servanthood should be the chief characterization of Jesus' followers, period. What am I saying? We won't get into what I'm saying. It may scare you. Because it, ni- it wouldn't come out nicely. So we must bear this fruit. It's not an option. If you follow Christ, you must worship Christ. You must serve Christ. And if you don't, there is a problem, Houston. I, I couldn't be any clearer about that. I could be, but the other words would be far more offensive. In another sense, in the same passage, we could say Jesus is particularly focused on disciples serving disciples. (laughs) It's a family thing. Jesus is all about family, right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, let us do good to everyone. Then the disclosure comes in. Especially, especially those who serve in the household of faith. Oh, somebody. I could say a lot of things. Jesus, guard my mouth, Lord. So if we claim to be disciples of Christ and the desire lays within us to adhere and learn from Jesus' teaching, if that's present, then the fruit of Christ's likeness will be seen. It will. Somebody say it will. will. What will be seen? Well, deep, enduring worship that is fixated on pursuing and rejoicing in truth. That's why I broke out in a party last Sunday. I mean, Bethany preaches a searing word. And most of us, we get like, oh my God. Oh my God. Who am I? I'm undone, Lord. But I'm like, let's celebrate the truth. Let's rejoice in what we've heard. So what will be seen deep enduring worship that is fixated on pursuing and rejoicing in truth and servanthood that is palpable. You know, your attitude towards service changes when perspective changes. You see, I am prone to the same complaining and grumbling that you are about serving. I'm prone to it. Ask my wife. For realsy. I can grumble, bro. I can out-grumble you. I'm sure you hang out in my house for a week. You'll see. But that perspective changes when when I know that I'm not just serving an organization, but I'm serving Christ because the mindset is that Christ is and can be revealed right here within this context. So 
I'm not so worried about lifting boxes because the, the motivation of my heart is not to serve an organization, but it's just to contribute that Christ might be glorified. You see, we're singing about Christ. We're talking about Christ. We're preaching about Christ. I think that's good enough to serve. Christ getting glory through our efforts, through our sweat. We weren't even but two minutes into the setup today and I was dripping like I just took a shower. Sweating from every pore in my body. But I, I have this gnawing sense in my heart that I'm not just doing it because I'm the pastor. I'm not just doing it because I believe in a vision. I'm not just doing it because, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I need to do it. I'm doing it because I really, maybe foolishly believe that in my doing, in my service, that Christ is going to be glorified today. I believe right now, Christ is being glorified right now. So sign me up every week. I'm sorry if I'm yelling. We have earplugs. So the fruit that will be seen for the two characterizations that we just touched upon will be deep enduring worship that is fixated on pursuing and rejoicing in truth and servanthood that is palpable, service that is so intense and tangible. Um, and then if we go further down to verse 34 of the Gospels, tying it into this kind of family aspect that I talked about earlier, uh, shortly after Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he gives them this command, to love one another, right? It's that famous first, love one another. Uh, truly stated, it's with this love that Christ mentions in verse 34, excuse me, of chapter 13. This love for one another um, would be that of which the world is watching. That, that our love for one another would testify to the fact or the truth that we are Christians. You ever heard that? They will know we are Christians by our love. Okay. And it even assures us of saving grace, 1 John 13, 14. To be a disciple of Jesus means to serve like him. It means to serve primarily by looking at your brothers and sisters in Christ and going uh, in low acts of love, even when it's an inconvenience to yourself. Making disciple of, disciples of Jesus means making servants who love one another. In context to John chapter 13. Let me say that again. Making disciples of Jesus means making servants who love one another. Now lastly, to be a disciple means to be a witness. This is probably a layup. As our Christianity is one of movement. It's one of going, right? We're not just sitting by and by waiting for God's kingdom to come and collect us all up. And you know, some of you guys all get weird with that eschatology. But, um, you know, we're not just idly waiting for something to come. We're going. We're actively pursuing people, making disciples for Christ. So to be a disciple of Christ means to be a witness of Christ. Jesus commissions us to go, right? In John 17, 18 and John 20, 21, he says this, As the Father has sent 
me. Even so, I am sending you. Friend, you signed up for this when you gave your life to Christ. You didn't sign up to daff out at Facebook, your television screen, Netflix, live live a boring nine-to-five existence. You signed up to go into the world and make disciples. Come on. Some of y'all got to snap out of the funk you're in. Just trying to exist. Just trying to pay. I get existing. I get paying and being re- my bills and being responsible. But I have to, in the midst of existing, I have to know that my life is unto something far greater. And that is going into the world and preaching Christ. I love what Bob Weiner said. If you don't know, I'm sorry. I'm showing my age. He's an old evangelist, probably back in the 60s, I would say, who saw massive uh, harvests of people come into salvation and knowing Jesus Christ. We were at a meeting with him uh, some time ago, and he just kindly, I can't say kindly, it was kind of forcefully, but he rebuked the whole congregation. He opened up and he said, oh, my full-time ministers, raise your hand. And like three people were like, and Bob just paused. And he said, this is pathetic. And we're all like, what? I'm not a full-time minister. Like, really, I... I have, I, it's Sunday, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Like, I gotta, you know, gotta report to the man. I gotta exist. I gotta pay my bills, right? And Paul just, uh, I'm sorry, not Paul, Bob just kindly rebuked us and said, we are all full-time ministers. It doesn't matter if you're behind the pulpit, if you're at your job, if you're working the convenience store, you are to bring the gospel as a witness, as a disciple. You are to bring it to the world, not to hide it, Let it shine as the Father has sent Christ. Even so, Christ, Jesus, is sending us into the world. And so Jesus commissions us to go. This means that as disciples, we are on a mission. Come on, just picture yourself on a mission today. I know some of us are going to get up tomorrow at 6 o'clock in the morning, maybe even earlier, and report to the man. You know, that, I don't know if they do still do time cards. That's what they used to do back in the day when I was full-time in employment in the workforce. But I know some of us are going to get, what I'm saying is I know that some of us are going to get back into the kind of daily grind of work, paying bills. But in that, we should see ourselves as on a mission. In a broad sense, what Jesus is saying, you are missionaries. I, you, I'm just not a missionary because I'm in full-time ministry, that that this is my occupation. I would be, or I would, excuse me, consider myself as being on a mission if I was still working in my job that I was working prior to coming into full-time ministry. So we're on a mission. Jesus envisions us. He empowers us to step into the world, not be of it, but be sent into it by him as witnesses of him. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus sent for a purpose, sent us for a purpose. Jesus was sent, excuse me, for a purpose to reveal God and to redeem us from our sins. That's John 1, 14 and verse 12. 
Um, and he set his face like flint to see it accomplished. Luke 19.51, Isaiah 57. Sorry, I'm just shouting out scriptures. Uh, I don't feel like reading them right there, but you can go back and read them yourself. We too, his disciples filled with the spirit are sent and meant to live with purpose in telling others about the good news. You need to see yourself as commissioned this morning, friend. That tomorrow when you wake up and you go to school, tomorrow you wake up and you go to that boring job that you don't want to go to, try putting the purpose of Christ on your occupation. Uh, I'm not just reporting to a job. I'm going to go and I'm going to share the good news. I don't know what that looks like for you. I'd encourage you not to be annoying in it. But I also would encourage you not to shy away from it either. Just because you've seen it done distastefully, or if you've seen it done in a manner that it's offensive, listen, friend, you can't let that be your model, and you can't let that prevent you from going into the world and speaking the good news. Now, these are very simple, but you know what? I have a mind about meaning the characterizations that we just talked about are very simple, but I, but I have the mind that there is something amiss here. Because honestly, if you take just what's in this room and you start on Monday morning to put these people into the workforce, ooh, let me tell you something. If we were actually being witnesses, this church would grow overnight. Now, I'm not into church growth. You know, I have no interest in that. I'm just saying that we need to start living like Christians. It's not enough to just go to your work tomorrow or just go to school and keep your mouth quiet. It's not enough. God has commissioned us to be witnesses of Jesus in the earth. So Jesus was sent with a purpose and Jesus is sending, sending excuse me, us with a purpose. To be a disciple of Jesus means to point people to Jesus. It means to tell that old, old story of Jesus and his love for others so that they would know him and also worship him also. Guys, in short, we need more worshipers, we need more servants, and we need more missionaries. And not just missionaries that view missions work as going to a third world country, although that's good, and I'm for it, but missionaries that see the very places where their feet tread, a ground to be worked, a ground where they can share openly the gospel. To be a disciple, friend, is costly. And if you start with just these three simple characterizations, then it will open a, a, a wide, broad uh, field will open in the sense of just the endless possibilities of costly discipleship. <laughs> Did I say that right? I mean, that I know that they're simple, but if you start here, your trajectory as a disciple of Christ will go off the charts. You start worshiping Jesus exclusively as he is the only thing that matters, that he shares the stage with no one. You start serving 
God in a way that you're not just giving your time to an organization, but you're looking that Jesus might be glorified and you start witnessing Christ in the workplace. I'm telling you guys, it's, the, it's only a start. You want to snap out of worldliness and the mundane of life. Start living out these characteristics well. Start living these characteristics out. Just start here. Oh, and your heart will be inflamed for Christ. It won't be an issue of I have to give that. It will be an issue of how much can I give of my life to you. Is this all right? I didn't yell that much today. So I feel good about that. There's always next week. (laughs) Listen, I, I designed this talk to be brief. I designed it to be simple. And hopefully the heart of what it means to be a disciple is clear with these three characteristics. The worship of Christ, serving, and being a witness. My prayer is that these things lay hold of your heart in a way where they affect your life. Where you get in certain contexts and certain opportunities to worship Jesus and you can't help but just really extravagantly love him and worship him and adore him irregardless of what the sound sounds like or what the singer sounds like, but just because you're immersed, you're so in love with Christ that worship just bleeds from you. (laughs) And I pray that in seeking out what being a disciple means and service that you in no way allow yourselves to get stuck in mediocrity and status quo Christianity. I pray that your service to this church and the body of Christ would be off the charts. <laughs> I, I, as a servant, I want, I want to serve people well. I want it to be off the charts. That's my heart for this church. And as a witness, man, let nothing stand in the way of the good news being seen, not just seen, but heard. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you.